The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus, Amen. peace on earth. That hasn't been so easy for us this year. In our world, lots of folks claim to have the answer to our troubles, but mostly their way of fixing things involves making enemies of other folks. That's not peace. Instead, our world is once again becoming tribal. It is our latest attempt to configure ourselves in order to fix ourselves. After the World Wars, it was straight lines on a map, cooked up by somebody in an office somewhere, who thought they knew better than rivers and mountain ranges, and languages, and tradition, and kin. But that didn't work. During the people's revolutions, it was everybody all together against the man. Until, as Orwell observed in Animal Farm, somehow some pigs always became more equal than others. And then the revolution had to be paused for just a moment to execute those who disagree. That's not peace either. 
It is an unpleasant fact of being human. We just aren't very good at peace. We have written history for about 5,000 years now, and for most of that time, we have written the record of war. No matter what we try, we cannot fix ourselves. We have never, ever found a way to stop hating. Peace flees us, and we inevitably sink into anger, fear, violence, conflict, and genocide. But Jesus is different than us. Jesus is different than us because Jesus doesn't have any enemies. Jesus is a bundle of divine love, and his love has no one in the crosshairs. So that's the message tonight. Peace on earth. Love is one reason that the main players of the Christmas story are the politically oppressed, the working poor, the religiously unclean, and an unmarried pregnant teenager, who by this time next week will also be a homeless refugee. That way you and I don't get any strange notions about where God's love stops. It makes the point that most wants to be made tonight, that everybody's in and nobody's out, at least so far as the baby Jesus is concerned. God is love, and God our Father wants all his children home again for Christmas. God as love is not an obvious solution to our troubles. It is so not obvious that it doesn't ever occur to us naturally. So every once in a while, when somebody actually says it out loud, our world tends to dismiss it. Of course, turning our back to God's grace is an implicit endorsement of our own ways, those ways that have now given us almost 5,000 years of war, along with the insanity of doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for that different result. That choice to dismiss the divine is why King Herod is already plotting to kill Jesus. Peace is too potent for kings. And that, you see, is how the Christmas story will play out. Jesus will have no enemies, but his enemies will have him. Eventually, they will have him up on charges and then up on a cross. But then again comes his divine twist, once more inconceivable to us. As an innocent man sentenced to death, Jesus, in love, will plead their cause, not his own. You remember what he said as the nails crushed his hands into the cross. 
Father, forgive them. They have absolutely no idea what they're doing. If they only knew better than to have enemies, if only they would embrace another way, if only they knew Christmas, if only we knew. The church is not naive here, not in a world where some lob bombs at women gathered for Mass in Cairo, or others drive a truck through families at a Christmas market in Berlin. Since we know that the Christmas story ends in the cross, the church owns its martyrs. But if we respond in fear and anger and hatred for anyone, with enemies and without love, we have failed to follow Jesus. Instead, we bring to mind those wonderful lines in Psalm 85, which we heard in the third week of Advent, that rose-colored Sunday of Gaudeta, the Sunday of rejoicing. Love and truth meet in the street. Justice and peace kiss. Faithfulness springs up from the ground. Righteousness falls down from the sky. The Lord gives what is good. Tonight, the good gift that our Lord gives into the world gone mad with sin is the birth of God on earth. It is a mystery that runs deep and quite beyond us, that an angel speaks and a virgin conceives, and then she bears a son who is God himself in our flesh and our blood. And more than that, this child spends his life looking for you. And when he finds you, it's not to punish you or enslave you or destroy you, but to wash you and name you and make you family, to feed you divine things, holy body, holy blood, making you indestructible, and then to bring you home to family again. This is the truth. God made you to love you, and he was grieved when he lost you, and he would do anything to have you back again. Even die in your place to make your wrongs right. That's the reason the angels sing of peace tonight and not of fear. Because everything is forgiven. You're in, not out. You're a friend, not an enemy. You're family and you're forgiven, and you're beloved. And you too are a child of God, if only you will have it. Of course, tonight, God won't force you to have him as father or brother or spirit, not as king or as friend or as love, and certainly not as peace incarnate. You were made free. <coughs> It's one of the most wonderful and defining things about you. And nothing good ever happens by force. 
but you dismiss him at your own peril. After all, our last 5,000 years of data is not very promising. So have this instead as your Christmas present, divine love in human flesh, in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, who comes forgiving more sins than you've got, forgiving everything, and showing you the way home to Eden, the way home to eternity. After all, in all of that history, Jesus Christ is the only thing that ever really happened. He's the only thing that ever really worked. It is in him that justice and peace do kiss, saving each one of you. Merry Christmas in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.